The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Prospect Dynasty and Minor League related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson. Today is a quick solo pod. Opening day is almost here. It's so close, guys. Major League Baseball starts on the 7th, while Minor League Baseball will be starting in the middle of the week with AAA kicking off on the 5th and the other levels to follow on the weekend. So I want to use this week's episode to preview some of the Minor League series that I think will be the most entertaining from a prospect evaluation standpoint. Now, spring training is still wrapping up as I record, so rosters aren't completely set, which means some of these assignments and probable starters may be off, but I try to be as accurate as I could with the information I had at hand. I'm going to take a quick break and come back with 10 minor league series to start the season. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show All right, and we're back. And again, I am previewing 10 minor league series through all four levels to start the season. We're going to start at AAA. And the first series I want to preview is the Syracuse Mets versus Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. So the Mets obviously are the Mets AAA affiliate. The Rail Riders are the Yankees AAA affiliate. On the Mets side, you have Ronnie Mauricio, Mark Vientos, Khalil Lee, and Nick Plummer. From the prospect standpoint, 
In the case of Mauricio and Vientos, they're going to be picking up from last year, starting a full year in AAA. So last year, they ended their season with some games at the AAA level. This season, they're going to be starting there. Um, It's going to be important, in my opinion, to watch both these players at the plate, specifically regarding their approach and their swing decisions. Um, If you've seen Mauricio, if you've seen Vientos, or if you read any of the sort of scouting on them, the tools are there. The potential is there. But what weighs them down uh, kind of in both of their games tends to be some poor swing decisions and some poor uh, approach where they can become very strikeout heavy, very ground ball heavy, and not really getting into that power. So they're probably still going to get a shot in the big leagues. And I would I would say probably sometime this year, especially if the mess season does not go the way that they hope that it's going to go, I could see them getting some time towards the end of the season. Um, but without those serious improvements at the plate, to me, the fantasy value for both Mauricio and Vientos takes a major hit. So if you are looking at them, if you have them on your roster, this is a series that you want to tune in and start and, and see how they are starting the season. Um, regarding Plummer and Lee, these two are a bit older, not really super upside guys, but they've been uh, added to the Mets 40 man roster. And they're both vying for that sort of fourth outfield spot. Uh, Nick Plummer signed as a minor league free agent. He had a really great year in the Cardinals organization Um, at the minor league level. They never really brought him up. His options were up. He was able to leave the organization or choose where he wanted to go. Um, As a minor league free agent, he chose to sign with the Mets. And with the Mets signing him and then adding him to the 40 man, and I'm sure there's some. Um, some structural things that I might be missing as far as how those contracts work out. But to me, that signals that there's some sort of interest from the Mets side in Plummer as an option. Khalil Lee has been around. Uh, he's gotten a cup of coffee at the major league level. Like I said, both these guys, pretty low ceiling, but I'm looking to see exactly how they establish their floor. Um, I don't really know that they have much to prove at the AAA level. They've been in AAA for a couple of seasons now, even if you remove the 2020 um, sort of missing year. So I'm really looking to see, A, are there any sort of injuries or, or opportunities that happen at the major league level with the Mets that open up a chance for either one of these guys to get called up? And which one of them, if and when that happens, which one of them do the Mets lean on? Uh, I think for Lee, they still there's still the opportunity of him to bring some fantasy value when it comes to stolen bases, a little bit of pop, um, not a ton when it comes to average or OBP. So really more so solid defense uh, in real life case. And from a fantasy standpoint, like I said, more stolen bases with a little bit of power. For Plummer, it's a little bit more well-rounded, uh, decent average and on base. He has pretty good approach when it comes to the plate. And he has a little bit of power, not so much the speed aspect, but I think between the two, Plummer's probably going to be more of your extra base hitter than Lee is um, overall. So just a, a couple of older guys, um, like I said, not, not anybody you have to really go out of your way to pursue, but especially if you're in a deep league, two names that uh, you should be familiar with if you haven't already been. And again, that fourth outfield spot that can bring some value in deeper league 16 teamers and up um, because they can still carve out two to 300 at bats in the season. And if they're productive in those two to 300 at bats, that can be a cheap way for you to add in a category on the other side of that matchup. Scranton, 
Uh, it's likely that they're going to have Clark Schmidt and Hayden Wesneski as starters in the series, I'm assuming, just looking at the roster and everything. Um, Schmidt's kind of a known quantity at this point from a prospect perspective. Uh, the only question that I have is just pitch efficiency, as usual, with young guys. Does he have the ability to pitch efficiently enough to break into major league rotation, or is he kind of going to be stuck in that six-starter, back-end uh, type of role? Wesneski, to me, is a little bit more interesting, quite honestly, overall. He's going to be looking to complete a full season in AAA. He got a, a couple of games last year, and uh, again, he's starting uh, anew. I think he's pretty much going to be a reliever. I, I don't see a whole lot of starter potential in him, but if you've seen his outings in spring training, I think he has the ability to be very impactful from a reliever standpoint. And if you think about um, our conversation last week with uh, Nick Richards, he made the point of saying, you know, we overlook reliever prospects a lot because we don't necessarily see immediate value. But these are guys that if, if they get to the major league level, they can bring that value to you from a fancy standpoint. Wasneski is as good as just about uh, anybody when it comes to having that potential value. He has a kind of funky arm slot that allows his fastball to play out from the low 90s that gets clocked at into the mid 90s. And then he definitely made the rounds on Twitter showing off a really sharp slider that he has. And I think those two pitches uh, really put him in that reliever category. But I think he is uh, in command and control of both those pitches enough or has that ability to be in command and control of both those pitches that I could see him uh, doing very well at the AAA level, and I think they'll probably still uh, trot him out as a starter. But getting to the major league level, I think that's a lot more of a, a bullpen type of profile, but I think in a good way, not in a negative way. So um, Schmidt is kind of going from starter trying to stay out of the bullpen. Wesneski is kind of starter, and we kind of can kind of assume he's going to slot into the bullpen. So they're going sort of two separate directions. Uh, but I personally am a little bit more invested, a little bit more interested in Hayden Wesneski out of the two. Uh, hopefully both of them get a chance to pitch at least once in this series. Moving on into the next series, still in AAA, we have the Indianapolis Indians, uh, which is the AAA affiliate for the Pirates. And we have the Omaha Storm Chasers, who are the affiliates for the Royals. Um, at least for a couple of weeks, it looks like O'Neill Cruz is going to be just hitting missiles off of AAA pitchers instead of major leaguers while he's, quote-unquote, working on his outfield defense. Uh, if you take the Pirates, you know, at their word, if you don't, I, I don't blame you. But, you know, I don't know how much from an offensive standpoint there is for O'Neill Cruz at this standpoint. Um, he's done it all at, at just about every level. He looked really good in spring training, obviously, uh, against mostly, you know, major league ready or major leaguers themselves pitching wise. So uh, again, if you take the Pirates at their word, uh, they seem pretty dead set on moving him out of shortstop somewhere into the outfield. And in that case, I do understand it because Triple uh, A is, is a place where you want a guy to start testing out playing a brand new position. And I don't think O'Neill Cruz has ever played in the outfield. So I can see you know, putting him out there in some games that matter a lot less than in the major leagues. If you don't take them at their word, then this is a clear cut case of some more 
uh, service time manipulation, which is unfortunate coming off of the um, lockout that we just, you know, been witness to. So I, I, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I will say this is a series that you'll be able to see on Neil Cruz, who is kind of making for must see TV. Um, same thing with Ranzi uh, Contreras. Hopefully he'll get a, at least one start in this series as well. Uh, he looked really electric when he pitched during spring training, definitely into last year. He got a cup of coffee in the major leagues last year, looked pretty good as well. Uh, looked like he belonged, which you always like to see from any young player, but especially from a pitcher. I think he, his, his ceiling, I think he's legitimate middle rotation guy. Um, that SP three role. I don't know if he'll ever uh, log enough innings or give you a, a, enough in accounting category like strikeouts to really be considered an ace. But definitely, I think he's more than just a back end guy. His stuff is is just that good. And you know, obviously, uh, assuming health, I think that that SP three role is perfect for him when you're looking at if you're trying to acquire him or just looking at if you already have him on your roster where he kind of breaks down for your rotation. I, I think that that's a perfect place to kind of value him. Quite honestly, if you're looking for him, I doubt you'll be able to get him in any decent dynasty league at this point um, without paying a lot. But it's still a fun series to watch. And like I said, hopefully he gets a chance to pitch at least once. I know most of the AAA series at least are going to be the six-game series that they've been doing since last year. Uh, so I would assume one time uh, he gets a chance, maybe twice, depending on how the days break down. But I would tune in to see Contreras pitch. And uh, additionally for Indianapolis, you have uh, Leo Ver Paguero, who is kind of considered their uh, shortstop in Indianapolis. He's been kind of underrated, I think, mostly because of Cruz and some of the other um, bigger names that, uh, the Pirates have, have started to sort of develop. But also, I think because he doesn't really have one single sort of caring tool or loud tool um, to show off, but he's just solid all around. He can hit for some power. He has a, a decent average that he's been able to show kind of through every level. And he's also flashed some speed at uh, the lower minor league level. I think the fact that they've the Pirates have taken him from high A, where he finished last year, and put him all the way into AAA as a 21-year-old, to me, that shows that they want to see his ability to play up to competition. So uh, especially, again, if you're taking him at their word that Cruz is getting moved out of the shortstop, they're seeing him as an outfielder of the future for them. They need still a shortstop of the future. Again, personally, I don't think Nick Gonzalez is going to remain at shortstop. I think he's more of a second baseman. So you look around and you say, okay, Gonzalez slots in at second. Cruz is wandering somewhere in the outfield. They have Hayes at third. They still need somebody in the sixth. Paguero's their guy. Again, not super flashy, but he gets the job done. And again, if you're in, I don't know about 14, 15 teamer, maybe on the cusp, but definitely, again, those deeper 16 and, and more, he's a guy that I want to keep tabs on. Probably already rostered, but it's, it's a good idea to take a look around and just keep an eye on him. And see how well he does. I think it, as long as he doesn't show any major holes in his game, as long as the defense remains solid and he continues to kind of carry over what he has been able to do over the last couple of years, uh, 2019 and, and 2021, I could definitely see him pushing on the doorstep, getting a cup of coffee like they kind of did with Cruz and Contreras last year, getting a cup of coffee somewhere in late August, September for the Pirates, because obviously the Pirates aren't going anywhere. 
So it's not like they're going to be playing for any playoff uh, uh, spots come the the fall or late summer. So I could see Pogrero get uh, coming up, and it, it it would be good to at least have him on your radar. With that all being said, let's move to Double A. The first series I want to highlight in Double A level is the Hartford Yard Goats, and now we get into the wacky minor league names. But the Hartford Yard Goats, who are affiliates of Rockies versus uh, the Rumble Ponies of Binghamton. And again, another Mets uh, affiliate, and I'm not a Mets fan or homer of any sort, but it's another farm team that has some interesting prospects. Uh, Jose Buto, who we talked about with Nick Richards last uh, episode, and Brett Beatty, uh, who I think is is pretty dynamic and pretty interesting to watch. I'm not going to go over Buto again. Uh, again, you can listen to last week's episode. You can go to MILBanalysis.com, Nick's website, and read his write-up. Uh, to get more info there. But in the case of Beatty, I think this is going to be kind of definitive in showing us whether he's just power over hit like he has been, or if he has another level to his game by bringing his strikeout numbers down. If he's able to bring those strikeout numbers down, even just a modicum, I think it unpacks a whole nother level of value because we know the power is there. We know he can hit the cover off the ball. He can go deep as well as anybody in the Mets organization, at least. But if that's all he's going to do and he's on the cusp of being kind of a 240, 320, you know, 240 batting average, 320 sort of OBP guy, you start to look at what his fantasy value is if you are rostering him on your team. It's not as high as some of his rankings may lead you to believe. But again, if he's even able to bring it down just a, a couple notches, uh, the strikeout numbers, all of a sudden you say, hey, there's a guy that can get me into the 250s pretty solidly. He can get me into the 320, maybe even touch 330 in the OBP leagues. I feel good about that, plus the ability to have 25-plus home run power and play on the infield um, uh, at third base. I feel good about that. And, again, the Mets, I I know there's – a bunch of stuff, as usual, going on with the Mets, injuries, potential trades, who knows what. But I think if you uh, have Beatty or you're targeting Beatty in your league, I think you want to pay attention to him throughout this season, obviously, but this series to get things started to see, is he showing that that next level? Is he showing something else to his game? Or is it pretty much what you see is what you get? And I think you can make your valuations based on um, based on what you start to see from him. On the other side, with the Yard Goats, this is really about watching Ezekiel Tovar. He got the bump up to double A um, from high A, which I think is really exciting that the Rockies recognized how well he was doing in spring training, tearing the cover off the ball, and bumped him up the level. And now just, like I said last week, I just want to see him carry that momentum over, and hopefully he continues to stay hot and really become one of those few Rockies prospects that just forces their hand. and hopefully, you know, get them to continue to promote him and move him up levels until he gets to the major leagues because he looked excellent all throughout uh, spring training. The fourth series that I want to talk about is uh, the Rockhounds of Midland, and they're going to be facing off against the Amarillo Sod Poodles, uh, who are the affiliates for the Diamondbacks. Um there's no offense to the Rockhounds. That's the uh, affiliate for the A's. They have Logan Davidson. They have uh, Colin Palouse. 
that's nice. But quite honestly, I'm highlighting the series because I'm a real. Uh, I'm really invested in the arms that they are developing out in Arizona. And this series will probably show off three or four of them. You have Trey Jamison is the best of the bunch. You have Bryce Jarvis. You have Brandon Fott. You have Ryan Nelson, to name a couple more. I'm really interested in all those guys. Jarvis, uh, probably the least of those four, just because of what he's shown over the last couple of years. It looks like just the control and command isn't really there to be the starter that we thought he was going to be. But this season might be the turnaround season for him. Uh, Fod, I think, is uh, back at the rotation guy. But I'm still interested just to see how he puts things together. And Ryan Nelson, just the 180 that he did from looking like he's dead set and going into Reliverville, right, somewhere in the bullpen at the end of 2019. He's one of those black box guys. We may never know what happened in 2020, but he comes out in 2021 and is just striking everybody out, looking way more efficient, keeping the walk rate way down versus where he had been in 2019. And now all of a sudden he looks like maybe the second or third best arm that the Diamondbacks have in their entire farm system. So uh, this is a series that hopefully all those guys get the ball at least once on the mound and we can watch them pitch. On top of that, you have Corbin Carroll, who it was reported will be assigned to Double uh, A Amarillo. So he, the, the injury, he seems to have bounced back fine. They're not holding him back in a high A where he started last year. They're just going to push him through. Uh, and if you remember his start to the year last year, he looked like he was ready. He was tearing the cover off, off the ball, like from the jump. So anytime I get a chance to see somebody like Corbin Carroll, I want to watch that series as well. This team is probably one of the more prospect-rich teams in the minors overall. Um, If you're an NBA fan or if you kind of read up on um, NBA teams at all, there's the concept of a league pass team, which is kind of a a typically young team. Maybe they're not really that good, but they're interesting. They have some interesting players, and you want to watch them on NBA league pass, right, because they're that interesting. For me, Amarillo is probably one of my league pass teams for the minor leagues for the season. I want to see the guys that they have on their roster, really, no matter who they're playing up against. With double A taken care of, we're going to go drop down a level to high A. We have uh, the Peoria Chiefs versus Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. The Chiefs are affiliates of the Cardinals. The Timber Rattlers, as you can probably guess, affiliates of the Brewers. For Peoria, it's all about Jordan Walker. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be in high A, and I think if he starts the season off on a tear, he'll just force his way to double A very quickly. So this series, I, I want to see exactly how he gets his season started. Um, if it's a slow start, then he may end up spending a little bit more time than we assume. And I know for some people, Jordan Walker, just because of the age, um, some people aren't s- super high on him. They they still want to kind of just see, can he do it and can he uh, do it at the upper levels of the minors against some better competition pitching-wise? Uh, you know, what he did in the lower minors can't be ignored, but this is kind of that, that nebulous uh, sort of area with younger uh, prospects. And he was 19 last year, I believe. He's 19 to start this year. He may have already turned 20. I, I, I didn't double-check that, but... Um, for for guys that are kind of on that cusp, prep bats especially, it it, it can be a, a variation of different outcomes 
at this point, right? He could continue to tear the cover off the ball, which is obviously best case scenario. He could struggle some. Um, we looked at, and this name is going to pop up again, but if you look at uh, Marco Luciano, right, another young teenage uh, bat that was a national signing, obviously, but uh, a team uh, prospect where at high A you start to see some struggles, the fantasy rankings start to ding him some, so he starts to fall down the board a little bit, and you kind of have to wait and see, okay, how does he react, right? This might be the first time that somebody as good as uh, Jordan Walker, if he does struggle, this might be the first time he has any sort of extended struggles like that in his career. Uh, when you have people this talented, it tends to be that they've succeeded more often than not. And that's why he's, you know, 19, 20 years old and being talked about in the top 10, top 15 or so prospects uh, for Major League Baseball. It's because he's had more success than not. So when a guy might run into a first major obstacle, a slump, um, just some poor outings. You want to see how he responds. That's all, you know, what ifs and, and hypotheticals. We don't know. Uh, but I, I'm tuning into this series to see exactly how he starts his uh, season off. On the Timber Rattlers for the Brewers organization, uh, you have Sal Freelich, who had a pretty hot start to last season and then sort of cooled off to end it. So he's another one. How does he start this year? Uh, and then somebody who was red hot throughout the entirety of 2021 was Joey Weimer. I mean, he was balling out from uh, minor league baseball uh, season throughout the playoffs that they've had into Arizona Fall League. He was, you know, hitting missiles and throwing missiles, throwing guys out. Um, He's just playing like a guy with his hair on fire, as they say. I want to see, does that continue? Um, or do pitchers start to figure him out? Does he start to show some holes in his game? So this is kind of where you get, when you're in high A, you start to see some more of that um, action, but also that reaction, especially when you uh, talk about batters. How are they reacting once the book is sort of out on them? And I, I think these are some guys, these three, Weimer, Freelich, and Walker, are very talented, but they'll be very um, interesting to see exactly how they all react once they start to see some different pitches, some different approaches from uh, pitchers as well. And, you know, while we stay in high A, you even at the minor league level, you can't escape Yankees Red Sox. In this case, we have their sort of affiliate proxies. We have the Hudson Valley Renegades versus uh, the Greenville Drive. The Renegades are for the Yankees, Drive for the, right, uh, the Red Sox. Um, but the Renegades, it looks like Volk is going to start the year still in high A. That could be subject to change. Again, uh, this is Saturday that I'm recording this. So who knows what the, the last assignments really are. But assuming that Anthony Volk stays in high A, we all want to know how real was last year, right? Is he really a 25 and 20 type of guy when you start to look at what he could do at the major league level? And are the Yankees really going to put essentially all their chips in that shortstop on Volpe? You know, they, they made trades, they moved guys out. We know Glaber Torres is, is kind of been put through it. And, and it looks like, you know, he's not long for at least if not long for staying at shortstop, he may not even be long for staying with the Yankees. Who knows? Um, but it seems like they're kind of going all in on Volpe as their shortstop of the future. 
this is the, this is a kind of good put up or shut up type of year for Volk. Um, I, I'm interested to to just watch him. I didn't see, uh, get, didn't get a chance to see him last year. Obviously, I saw the stats. I didn't watch him specifically, but uh, again, you know, is the book out on him and how does he react? So that's on the Renegade side for the Greenville Drive uh, and the Red Sox. You have Nick York and uh, very similar to um, uh, to uh, Brett Beatty. I want to see, does he have another level to his game? In York's case, does he have another level of power that he can tap into? Or is it sort of what you see, what you get on the box? Gap to gap hitter, solid defense at second. He'll give you above average OBP. That plays. Uh, we talked about it before when I had Nate Handy and he asked me about, you know, who would I take? I'm fine with Nick York's floor being that high. I, From a fantasy standpoint, that's not a bad thing. But again, just like we talked about with Beatty, if York in this case can tap into his power, um, so sort of the opposite of Beatty, who, who already has that power, uh, if York can show he can be a, a, a legitimate, solid 20 home run guy, uh, then all of a sudden his ceiling, even though he's playing uh, second, is not necessarily the most premium of fantasy positions, but all of a sudden it becomes a lot more interesting because he starts to distinguish himself from a Nick Gonzalez, who is a lot more hit over power, in my opinion. Now he starts to be kind of even on both ends. This guy can go deep, but he also is uh, smart and selective enough that he can still work his walks. He can still get hits going to right center, uh, like I said, going gap to gap and get on base that way too. All of a sudden that sort of is, is kind of Dustin Pedroia-esque. I hate to make comps, I'm, mostly because I'm terrible at them, but that's what that sort of game starts to remind me of, of a guy who can take you out with no problem, but you know he's spraying the ball around at the same time. So I, I want to see from this series, both of these guys, the future of uh, Red Sox-Yankees, it looks like, um, in the case of Volpe again, can he prove that last year was the real deal? And for Nick York, does he have that extra step? Uh, or again, is his floor his floor and the ceiling is just a little bit lower than than some other guys in his draft class? The late night uh, high A matchup that I'm really just champing at the bit to start seeing. That's Eugene Emeralds. They're going against Everett Aqua Sox. This is Giants Mariners two really good franchises when it comes to player development, as we've seen. And you get two of the biggest shortstop prospects and potentially third base prospects if if they grow out of that position um, will be here. You have Marco Luciano on the Giants side. You have Noel V. Marte on the Mariners side. It's superstar potential. I'm also hoping to see Ryan Murphy start for Eugene at least once. I'm a big fan of Ryan Murphy. I'm hoping that this year he puts up the sort of uh, performances that allow him to start to break into that top 150, top 200 uh, prospect rankings um, and starts to get on the radar that way. But it's really about Luciano and Marte and just seeing those guys uh, taking that bat. You also have uh, Alberto Rodriguez. He's yet another international signee outfield uh, prospect for Seattle. Like they don't have enough of him already. I haven't seen too much video on him. So he's a name that, I just start to pop up on my radar as of late. And I just want to see him, you know, live and see some at-bats from him. But this matchup, uh, Eugene versus Everett, is, again, really about Luciano and Marte for me. 
and seeing those two guys and seeing uh, how quickly both, hopefully, or at least one of them starts to push their respective major league club and get, moving them up through the ranks. Uh, ideally, you want to see Marte and Luciano in this 2022 season at double A minimum. If they could even get some triple A at bats, I think you really call this year a success, but definitely them ending in double in A and looking comfortable at double A is what you want to see if you are rostering either one of these guys or if you're a Giants uh, or Mariners fan. If they're finishing a full year in high A, something probably did not go right for them because uh, with Luciano, obviously last year, he already has had uh, some taste, some at-bats here, and, and he should be into that reacting uh, reaction mode that we were talking about where he knows that the book is out on him. He kind of knows where he's getting um, picked at by pitchers and being able to make that adjustment. And sort of the same thing with Marte. We didn't see him have that sort of struggling uh, that Luciano had, but still the book will be out on Marte. You want to see him make those adjustments quickly and get back to kind of dominating the way he had at low A. So again, he can kind of rise, get those promotions and, and go up the ladder quicker than not. At the low A level, we're going to actually go and, and look at uh, another Yankees team. And that's Tampa, uh, the Tampa Tarpons. They're going against Lakeland the Flying Tigers of the Tigers organization. And this is uh, Jason Dominguez year two. What improvements is he going to make? Uh, again, the hype behind this kid was at a point where really, you know, unless he looked like Bryce Harper did when he started his sort of pro career or something of that nature, where it was just from the jump, he, he did every single thing that he could to meet that hype. It was always going to be overwhelming. Everything that he did was always going to look sort of lackluster unless he was hitting like a grand slam every at bat or something, you know, sort of ridiculous like that. Um, but now I think with the hype sort of worn down and, and people kind of relaxing off that a bit. Now I think we get to see who the actual player Jason Dominguez is. And I want to see, you know, how, how in shape is he? What does he look like at the plate? How does he look like in the outfield, right? Can he can he maintain his outfield position? Um, and sort of similar to what we talked about with the uh, two other guys, with Luciano Marte and some of the other prospects we mentioned as well, you know, does he push the Yankees for a promotion? Do they feel comfortable saying, like, we're just going to let him have low A, no pressure, just see the whole season out, and, and let's see what happens? Are they going to be conservative? Or does he put in a performance or do the Yankees feel for whatever reason, internally or externally, some sort of pressure to move him up, even if he doesn't necessarily look the most ready. So it's kind of a treatise on both Dominguez, but also sort of the Yankees organization and what they're doing with their prospects. I think him, and then obviously we already mentioned Volpe. I think um, looking at both those guys and how they're, directed and assigned and promoted by the Yankees, I think are ju- is just as telling as whatever they do on the actual field. Um, moving on and, and remaining in low A, another matchup, one of my favorite team names, Down East Wood Ducks. So Down East and Wood Ducks. I love both of that. Um, that's the Rangers organization. They're facing off against another Brewers affiliate, Carolina Mudcats. 
for the Rangers and the Wood Ducks, I've talked about Owen White pretty much everywhere I can. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. I really hope that he's going to be in the mix to start sometime in this series because he was really fun to watch in the fall league. I want to see more of him. I think he's being undervalued right now because of those previous injuries that he had. We talked about on a previous episode, um, the, the funky hand injury that he had. And then before that, Tommy John. But I think he seems healthy now, seems all together. He set everything on fire when he made his starts to end last year and then going right into the fall league. And I just I just want to see him pitch. I just want to see him dominate. And hopefully that's the case. Um, also, I'm interested to see Luis Angel Acuna. He seems to be popping up, and, and maybe he made a name change. And if he did, I, I apologize, because I've seen him pop up as Jose Acuna as well. Um, but this is obviously the younger brother of uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think he's kind of in, in a similar boat or on a similar trajectory as uh, another younger brother uh, who who is on the White Sox team, uh, Yorkies uh, Cespedes. And I think both of them kind of are running into that being the younger brother of a, a really phenomenal major league talent and having a lot of hype because of that. And the 2021s really were kind of lackluster by comparison to where they were hyped to be. Sticking with Acuna, sticking with this matchup, if you look closer at his stats, though, um, you start to see that he ended the year much better than he began the year in 2021. So there's still some potential value there. I'm keeping my eye on him. I think if you, even if you ignore those rule changes about pickoffs and, and things of that nature, have inflated stolen base numbers, even if you ignore that, his speed is a definite skill. And it, it definitely plays. And you look at the fact that he was still able to work 10% walk rate. And he has pull side power, uh, 45 or 46% pull side. And he was able to hit out 12 home runs. There's a, a power speed combo there that I think is really intriguing and something that is, is worth keeping an eye on. You know, it's, it's low A. There's still a lot of development that needs to happen with pretty much any player that's at that level. But I think that there's something there, even if he's never, you know, it's, it's highly unlikely that he's ever going to meet his brother's level of production. Uh, if he can maintain that approach, give you the double digit walk rate plus double digit home runs and stolen bases, I can start to see his name start to trend upward. And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, him play and, and, and actually be in action. And then lastly, for the Wood Ducks, is a personal prospect that I'm invested in, and that's outfielder Evan Carter. Carter had a really hot start to 2021 before he suffered a back injury that ended up ending his season. And back injuries, obviously, we can, it can be very worrisome in any sport. Uh, it seems like he's been cleared, he healed. I haven't heard or seen any sort of negative reports. Uh, uh, about him at minor league spring training thus far. So I just want to see him back on the field. He, he has the ability to cover ground in center field. So it looks like that's a position that he can actually stick at for some time. He doesn't have a uh, frame or uh, really a profile where you worry about him growing out of uh, being able to be in center field as it stands. And his swing is really just primed for major power. So I just want to see if we can get some of 2021 Evan Carter with that clean bill of health now that we're in 2022. And then for the Mudcats, Hedbert Perez, you know, he's somebody that 
some people in the fantasy community really, really strongly believe in his potential. And I just, I want to see him live and, and see what some of that potential looks like in actuality, or if he's kind of vaporware, right? Some, sometimes you have prospects, especially in the lower minors that uh, kind of are, are more tools than any skills and vaporware is kind of the word that I would use for him. It is nothing is really actually going to come to fruition. So I want to see with Hedber Perez, which side of the fence he falls on there. And hopefully it's the more positive one. The last series that I want to highlight sticking in low A is the Delmarva Shorebirds, and that's the affiliate of the Orioles, versus the Fredericksburg Nationals, and obviously they're affiliated with the Washington Nationals team. Um, Delmarva has a few names that I'm curious to see uh, live on TV. I don't know to start. I don't know if Kobe uh, Mayo is going to stay in low a um that's one that i was trying to dig and find as i was putting this rundown together before i recorded and i didn't see anything definitively so if he does end up in high a or even double a i don't know um but if he, he does end up assigned somewhere else by the time you guys hear this my apologies i tried to find out i'm going off of what i see between um the team rosters baseball reference etc so they have him still in low A, and if he's in low A, I definitely want to see him because I think he'll just he'll smoke the ball every time he pretty much gets a chance. That's what he's done thus far. And uh, some other players I want to see, Connor Norby. He seemed to have been getting some positive evaluations as well, um, some positive press for the Orioles. And then their recent sort of big money international signing, right? They, they finally have gotten their international pipeline up and running after a, a decade and change of – just not playing in uh, the international waters at all. Uh, Elias and company finally got things going, and their major splash was uh, Cesar Prieto, who's a middle infielder, uh, second base and shortstop um, from Cuba. And I just, uh, you know, he's somebody that I want to see play. He's a little bit older, obviously, but as an international signee, you want to ease him into things. So he's somebody that I want to see, you know, what his game looks like and, uh, is he somebody that can move quickly? You know, given his age, I believe he's 22, maybe 23. Uh, given his age, you know, does he look old for the level in a positive way, right, where he just looks more mature than the the teenagers and, and uh, 20-year-olds that he'll be facing and is able to just kind of quickly uh, do away with them uh, in the month of April and then move into some stiffer competition in May and, and moving forward? Or does he look like he needs a little bit more time? So I think that'll be kind of telling about the international scouting of the Orioles and who they're looking to give money to. And also Colton Kowser, he surprised me with how quickly he adapted last year and just seemed very comfortable in his first pro season. Is that something that he can uh, repeat in a full season's time with uh, being with Delmarva? Again, that adjustment period that, you know, the book is kind of out. They're going to challenge you different ways. Is he going to look just as comfortable or is he going to look a little lost? I don't know. But I, the the tools that he showed, the abilities that he showed uh, are ones that I think if everything locks in, he could end up being kind of like Kobe Mayo was somebody that, you know, looked good and, and, and seemed like a good pick by the Orioles, 
but really just shows out and, and shoots up um, as a name to know in the dynasty and prospect community. So those are my 10 opening week series. And, and what I'll do is instead of having the names like we normally do in the show notes, I'm going to have uh, each series highlighted. We are not sponsored by MILB TV guys, but if you are serious at all about dynasty leagues, about prospects, that's the way to go. Making that purchase, unless you're somehow able to go to a lot of minor league games, which if you are, then God bless and like enjoy. Or if you're in one of those few locales where they actually show them on local TV, again, God bless and enjoy. But for most of us, if you want to see the guys that you've been reading about and not just see the highlight reels or just the little Twitter clips, you're going to have to make the investment. Take a look. I've seen some actual deals on MILB TV if you know where to look. So you might want to do some some scouring there. Ping me on the side and, and maybe I can help you out. But you know, these are the 10 uh, series that I think are kind of the most interesting, but who knows what happens from all the other affiliates. I mean, again, with fantasy baseball, there's so much, there's so much baseball um, at the minor league level, so many different players, so many different guys make those subtle tweaks and changes, add a little bit of strength, you know, get rid of a pitch that wasn't working for them, add a new pitch that was, make an adjustment at the plate, and all of a sudden you're like, where who is this guy or where did he come from? Or I never thought he was going to be this good. So uh, we'll continue the year now that we're right there on the cusp of opening day. We'll continue to highlight some series that I think are interesting um, to keep an eye on kind of week to week, you know, see how things go. As far as things to plug or or any sort of writing that might be coming from me, uh, the championship for our prospect tournament will have been crowned by the time that you hear this. So the champion will be named on Monday. I'm, again, recording this on Saturday, so I'm going to check the results and, and have that right up ready for you. Uh, again, it's Julio Rodriguez versus Bobby Wood Jr. Kind of seemed inevitable, but it was it was fun along the way anyways. But we will see who you guys will crown as the champion of our inaugural prospect tournament. Um, I will also begin to write a weekly farm system power rankings column, so I'll be power ranking each major league team all 30 based on their affiliates as a whole so i'm going all four levels i'm not dealing with any rookie ball stuff it is too sort of esoteric and and difficult to really parse out um, for me to include any sort of dsl uh, or or complex ball type of stuff so just the four levels i'm going to be looking at kind of each affiliate the um, prospects that they have that are note and how well those guys are doing and kind of It'll be subjective. I'll, I'll be honest. There's not really a, a, a set formula that I have figured out, but just kind of based on how those affiliates are doing, how I'm, I'm going to be moving their uh, senior teams, their major league teams up and down the farm system. That will be a weekly column uh, that I'll start probably this uh, upcoming weekend after opening day. And then we'll also, uh, I'll also be having a, a pitcher and player of the week uh, column as well. So just to highlight some performances and some players for you to know. So be on the lookout for those. And as always, I want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our Pitcher List pods on the Pitcher List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Pitcher List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. 
You can find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. Feel free to drop me a line about pretty much anything fantasy baseball related. And with that, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy your opening day. <laughs>